Howdy, folks. Welcome to the PDX Beat Podcast, the weekly culture show that keeps a finger on the pulse of all things Portland. I'm your host, Amado Lumba, and for this week's beat, beverage consultant and bar manager Nick Keene talked to me about beer. Parents should note that this episode contains language and subject matter that may not be suitable for the youngins. Listener discretion is advised. For many, many years, Portland has consistently ranked among the top on lists touting the beer capitals of the world or best beer cities in the U.S. and actually claimed the pinnacle spot on such lists more times than not. In the last decade or so, other Oregon towns, such as Bend, for instance, have proven themselves worthy contenders. In fact, many of the bars and restaurants in town offer Bend-based beers like Ten Barrel, Good Life, and, of course, Deschutes Brewery. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to Portland. Portland is known as a beer town. Um, It has been for quite some time. I remember the boon happened, at least to my memory, I want to say maybe early 90s, um, if, if not the late 80s, like late, late 80s. Yes. Um, and it's kept that tagline for, for a while. Actually, I thought for some reason that Portland was overtaken by another city oh, uh, so in terms of that designation. You're thinking of Asheville, North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. right? You're thinking of Asheville. And they, they claim this uh, because it's a per capita thing. It's not really true. I don't think, I think it gets borne out. Uh, and there's always this, you know, dumb internet voting about beer, beer city, best True. beer city. True. Well, if you just look at the statistics between Asheville and Portland, it's clearly Portland. But they they stuff the ballot box as you know they 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 get a lot more fervor to get this vote thing, like it right. matters or something. Right. Um, you know, I I could vote McDonald's the best. You know, if you go on Yelp, McDonald's is the number one rated hamburger. Is it? Uh, absolutely not. Probably French fries. Yeah, like so. You get all these things like, oh, best best pizza in the country, Domino's. Well, not true. Right. Just because the internet says it's true doesn't right. mean it's true. So. Right. But there are fifty three. Uh, if uh, I learned somewhere that there are fifty three craft breweries, or what do they call? They used to be called microbreweries. Micro, and even now we've come to this new designation of nano brewery. Nano. So yeah. we're starting to, I mean, these breweries that are operating with, you know, one 10 barrel system, or one 5 or one 3 barrel system, and these are primarily restaurants that happen to brew some beer. Oh, right on. Um, I mean, when you get really nano, you're talking, you know, they produce 500 barrels of beer a year. Right. Okay. You know, Anheuser-Busch InBev produces hundreds of millions. Oh wow! Yeah. So we're talking, but they have breweries all over the place, and like, it's a whole different animal. I mean, even some of the nano breweries, even compared to say Widmere, are microscopic, and really? Widmere's tiny. Sure. Um, but a, but a definition could be the five hundred barrel thing that you were talking about. I'm not sure. I, I know like some people have talked about trying to get. In, inside the beer industry that, you know, more so than I am. Um, they, you know, they've tried to... They, they've, they've talked about getting, like, standards of what designates nano from micro from mid-tier craft and then, macro. you know, macro. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the easy designation is macro. We all know what macro is. Right. Uh, macro is what you drink when you're in Wisconsin. Right. Uh, you know, if... if, if 
if the current number is 53 uh, operating breweries that we have in Portland, it it, you know, it, it changes every month. I was just going to say, because I, I remember the number being uh, maybe even at one point, even in the hundreds. Um, maybe, you know, like I think that's, it, during the boom of it. That's Oregon. Yeah. Oh, you I count see. Oregon. Not it. That's easily, it's easily in excess of 100 now. It's probably pushing 120. Um, the coast is kind of blowing up right now. There's new breweries opening all the time. Uh, Bend, of course. Bend, they keep, they, a couple, seems like two or three pop up every year in Bend. Right, right. Um, you know, I mean, there's some out in the middle of the Steens Mountains in Oregon that's desolate, and, you know, it, I, I think it's a, um, it's an interesting business to me because of the humongous capital it takes to open a brewery, even a small one. Right. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like a 10 Barrel just opened their Portland brew pub. Nice. And taking a wild guess, it's $2.5 million would be my guess to build that place out. And, you know, a lot of it's the brewing equipment. It's easily over a million dollars. Right. You know? And so the economy of it is you've got to open these places and churn beer out. They got to run 24/7, cranking beer as fast as they can. This is why you see ales come out. This is why you see a lot of craft brewers doing ales instead of lagers. They do lagers later when they have the time and and, and they've sold some beer and they've got some capital to work with. Because ales you can turn out of a brewery in three days. Really, lagers are like three weeks. Oh wow! Because it's okay. a much longer fermenting process. Right. Um, the difference between an ale and a lager. And, and so, you know, you don't see places opening up million-dollar breweries and then sitting around for a couple of months while beer gets made right. before they can sell anything. There are hundreds of types of beer in the world, classified under 90-plus different categories, and new styles seem to pop up every day. But here in Portland, uh, I know for a fact that when I moved here eight years ago, when I moved back here eight years ago, I should say, I'm, I started hearing about IPAs. Like, the IPAs were it, and it probably still is it in terms of what people went for. I remember the time when it was brown ales and the ambers and the, and the porters and the stouts. Those were, you know, when, when somebody said, oh, I want an Oregon beer, I want a craft beer, those were what people went for. But now it's the lighter. I mean, it seems like the IPAs, the lagers, um, well, there's, the nothing, there's nothing light about a, a, a Pacific Northwest IPA. It's lighter as, than a porter, I should say. <laughs> well, well, let's let's stop and designate the difference between light color, light okay. body, and light flavor. Good, big difference. Yes, uh, you can have some extremely light beers. Porters tend if you close your eyes and drink a porter, it's light. They're light. They have light body usually, uh, just because of the way they're made. Um, they're only dark by color because that's the roasted malt. It has nothing to do with how much malt is in it or much of anything. That's other a good than point. Yes. Yeah. You're also going to get into dark beers that drink like IPAs, like a CDA, which like is a Cascadia yep. Dark Ale. Yes. You close your eyes, you wouldn't know that that thing's jet black. Right. I mean, other than the flavor, you're going, pick out, you're going to pick out roast, but you wouldn't, it, it, it looks a lot darker than it tastes. Very um, good point. But, you know, it, it makes sense that IPAs are popular around here because the Willamette Valley, which Portland is um, at the mouth of, grows the majority of all the hops in the country. Um, there's some. There's a good portion grown in, in in eastern and central Washington, and then that's about it. Like, there's a few little spots here and there. But like, Oregon is the big producer. Nice. Um, you go down south in the valley, and it's just hop fields forever. Um, and the other big buyers, and the you know Anheuser Busch bought uh, 
the majority of the production for decades until, you know, craft brewing took off and it's now growing at, at, a, at a monumentally and exponentially rate faster than the macro breweries are actually declining. Right. Um, and then the producers yanked out all of their bulk hops fields and are planting these really boutique, uh, highly focused craft versions of hops, and they have hundreds and hundreds of varietals that everyone has to play with now. But it makes sense. Like here's what you, here's what you have, and that's like any kind of food or agricultural product. You you make what you have available to you, and when you have an abundance of something that no one else has, you 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 have uh, open. Uh, availability to just use it at will and like so you just start how much you start pushing the envelope of how much hops can we use in a beer now I would say about when you moved back here yeah. years ago was the peak of the over hopping of beers really um, and it became this arms race so to speak of how much hops can we get in beer because everybody loves it well it obliterated your palate you couldn't taste anything after one <laughs> it's like you needed a comb to scrape your tongue off afterwards <laughs> What brought okay. it on? I'm sorry. Do you recall? It's just like, you know, somebody likes an IPA and then somebody else goes, I'll make one with five more IBUs. Which international bittering units, yeah. kind of like the measurement of how much lupulin, which is the the bittering hot oil in hops that makes it hoppy. Right on. Quote unquote. Uh, and, all, and like it can be expressed in so many different ways based on when you add the hops, how long the hops are in there, what hops you use. Like it, it's an art form. Wow. But so like, oh, I'll make one a little hoppier. And then the guy down the street's like, well, I'm going to open up a brewery and I'm going to out hop you. And pretty soon, like, we're all drinking, IB, you know, hops in the 90 IBUs in a beer. I'm like, this is actually really disgusting, you guys. Can we dial it back? And then, you know, about, I would say three years ago, maybe four, like the, 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 the guys that were bringing it all back to like being balanced and having the hop characteristic be floral first and you know, bitter, bitter to balance with sweetness instead of just like punch you in the face bitter. You know, I, I kind of the, thing, the beer that really woke me up was gigantic about three years ago when they first came out. Their IPA is is that what I what it, you know personally coined. I wish it would catch on, but like New Portland or excuse me, New Oregon Pacific Northwest IPA. Where you know what, we're actually going to take time to not just dump, slap yeah dump a bunch of hops in yeah. because. Here's what it felt like for a while, like these all these young, inexperienced brewers, bless their heart for giving it a go, and, you know, I'll, I'll never take anything away from people, but, you know, it, you brew a beer, you brew 20 barrels or something, and you've got, I don't know, 25 grand in the product, and it's bad. If you dump a bunch of hops in it, it's okay now. So... It was this band-aid. You, you, you got a lot of times like, "Ooh, hoppy red!" Oh, you just you just screwed up a red, and then you put put a bunch of hops into it and made it a red IPA. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, right. I get it. Um, what is it? Creative license, so to speak. Yeah, it's it's the thing where like if you put too much salt in this in the soup, you just throw a bunch of potatoes and then fish the potatoes out, and it soaked up some of the salt, and kind of fixed it. Right. Well, you know. Now I, I think now we're onto the second second wave of. IPA makers doing really excellent balanced IPAs. Nice. Time. What's a good Portland beer? You still have to go through in your head probably a catalog of 
types of beers? Like, you know, I was I get, hey, yeah, I got asked. I got like, asked. What do you want? A couple of what, questions. What, do you what like? kind of style? Yeah. Like, an IPA is gigantic. Um, Breakside. Uh, they have a brew pub up in Woodlawn, and they opened up a new uh, year half, two years ago maybe. Opened up a production brewery down in Milwaukee. Right. Hugely popular. Um, their standard IPA got gold medal uh, at GABF, which is basically the Super Bowl of beer every year uh, in in Denver. It's 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 the Super Bowl title. It's the the king of craft beers IPA, and they won best American IPA out of. 400 something entrance. That's nice. It's it's a hell of an accomplishment. Um, they make another one called Wanderlust IPA that's got some spices to it that's really unique and rad. And they, it's, they're probably, if I'm going to say there's a brewery where I just say, no matter what it is, I'll try it without having to try it first. You know, I'll, I'll just go in for a pint. It's Breakside. Because I've never had anything from them and went, oh God, that's gross. Right. Never. Yeah, it's always like, wow, that's really well made. I may not like the style, but that's interesting. At worst, that's the worst possible outcome from Breakside. Right. So, um, you know them. You, you know, you could probably even downgrade to the pale. Some people like to call pale ale IPA light. Okay, and that's what it's become in Oregon because they're still pretty hoppy. Sure, but they're a little lighter body, usually crisper, uh, more crisp, whichever. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, and and there's a the one that's the one that's really got me going these days is from Bowie Brewing out of Astoria, okay. uh, pretty pretty new startup brewery down there. Um, the big guy everyone knows from Astoria is Fort George. Sure. Um, there's also Astoria Brewing that they're doing some good stuff. But Bowie's Pale is just quintessential. You know, normally I, this would be like a. a, a backhanded compliment but it's not I don't mean it this way and when I say it's right down the middle it's just perfectly holds the style and excellently made right um, right you know that it, to come out of the gate and brew a beer that good it, it only portends really good things for that brewery Like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash thepdxbeat. Find us on Twitter as at thepdxbeat. Email us at thepdxbeat at gmail.com. And check out our website at www.thepdxbeat.com. I feel like a lot of breweries are stepping outside the five to seven major styles of beer and like starting to brew interesting things like gozes, which are these, um, you know, G-O-S-E instead of G-E-U-Z-E, totally two different styles, both German. Um, gozes is this style of ale that was long thought forgotten and dead. Um, I give upright kind of another Portland brewing kind of brewery uh, a lot of credit for bringing it back because they made an excellent one still do um, but it's this German style that's usually got some coriander in it and it's salty um, it's because it came from the region of Goza and the town of that their groundwater had a naturally really high salinity level Okay. and nobody realized why these beers tasted like this well, just like in cooking, if you add salt to something, it kind of, to a certain level, before you start tasting salt, it just kind of heightens sure, sure. all of the flavors. And 
it's why they're 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 a little tart and they're really effervescent and they're just the flavor just pops. Um, really nice. Is it disarming? I mean, like if, if you don't, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know it's salted. Okay. Um, it's to a point where it's like you don't really taste saltiness. Nice. But it's just really good. I'm gonna have to try that out. Um, you know, other other standard styles uh, like uh, Belgian saisons or French saisons. Yeah. Um, in fact, Fort George and the Commons. So Fort George in Astoria and the Commons here is a small um, farmhouse ale brewery here in town. That's pretty awesome they did a collaboration beer um, called Plasm um, that right now it's come out for a limited time if, uh, when you hear this run out and find it because it's probably gonna, they, I think they brewed their last batch oh, no. last week or something <laughs> so go get some um, it'll be in cans probably available for another six weeks or so but it is just unbelievably good um, I had it when it when it released and I have been sucking it up as as fast as I possibly can. Uh, I actually at uh, at my place of employment stashed a few kegs away <laughs> while I could. So for a rainy day. Yeah. You know, getting into like darker beers and such, um, stouts, porters. Yes. I know a lot of people tend towards that. Um, Stout, uh, Upright Brewing makes a an oyster stout. Wow, um, not okay. always available, but if you can find it, and yes, just like it sounds, <laughs> while they're brewing in the kettle, they put shucked oysters in it. Wow, like I, it's like fifty pounds or something per ten barrels or something. What does it do to the taste? It just imparts a back end of like sea note. Like, oh. taste of the sea. Just like sure. if you have a freshly shucked oyster. Sure. Like, where you get that salinity. Yeah. Well, it's super in the background, and it really sets off the roastness of a, of a really nice stout. Yeah. It, it's it, it's one of those things that you, you think, you think oh, that's going to be gross, and you taste it, you're like, wow. How delicious. That's that's fun. I, I mean, mean, it's it's been done before. They didn't invent it. Oh, okay. Um, but they really, it's like, dang, this is good. Um <laughs> And I think with their stout, it might be uh, a combination thing with, you know, they're an open fermentation, uh, all live yeast in-house brewery that based wild fermentation, basically. And it might be their proprietary yeast that kind of really helps that out. But um, nice. another one is Base Camp. It makes a very popular uh, salted caramel stout. Salted caramel. That sounds really good, actually. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and they serve it with a toasted marshmallow. And That's it, like a dessert beer. I, it's a. I don't know how else to describe it, but a panty dropper. Like <laughs> women just gravitate towards this thing. So anybody out there, if you're trying to impress, impress? Like, take them to take nice. Them to, and if they like, take them to break break camp. Oh, ba- I'm sorry. Ba- take them to base camp. Base camp. Uh, get them the stout, um, and take me later. Another another really cool one is coming out of um, Double Mountain. It's their Black Irish Stout. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's only available on Nitro. But um, it is a very quintessential Irish style stout, and that people think of Guinness um, smooth. Stop. Irish isn't or uh, Guinness really isn't the. A good example of that. I know everybody thinks it. Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, 
but it's it should be thin of body, crisp, very dry, um, relatively low alcohol. Most come in in the low fours. Yeah. Um, I've seen Irish stouts in the sixes, and I'm like, that's not traditional. It should not be that alcoholic. Right. Um, and just like Guinness, they're actually, if you want to drink diet beer, that's where it's at, is Porter. Uh, because Porter's were traditionally, it got its name because it was beer brewed from leftover ingredients from making stout. They just reboiled the, the mash and made another beer, and it was lighter, uh, and they gave it to the help. Wow, okay. Like train porters. That's where it got its name. Got they it. gave it to train porters because, guess what? You can have a couple and still operate a train. Um, <laughs> nice. Maybe not in today's workplace, but... Good uh, history lesson there, yeah, folks. Yeah, back, back then, like, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... So, uh, they're basically diet stouts, if you want to be really uh, rough with the terminology. Sure. Um, a really nice porter I like um, that's not traditional, but... Very good in its own right. It's from Sasquatch Brewing. Okay. Uh, they operate down in Hillsdale. Um, really small brewery. Very, very small. Mm-hmm. They only have distribution. Um, they self-distribute. So they all kegs around if you want one. Uh, it's They have a vanilla gorilla uh, mm. porter. And I love rhyming and, and funny terms. Sure. So, um, yeah, great guys. Um, they make a few really great beers. And that's one of them. Um, the other one is... Not just because of the awesome name uh, from Migration, uh, it's Terry Porter. Nice. Uh, and anybody, and anybody from Portland will, and that's been a long time resident in Portland or a fan of basketball, will love that name. But um, yeah, just really nice, really great uh, Porter, consistent too. Like a lot of these, a lot of really smaller breweries can get a little inconsistent um, in, in batches, and you can tell a difference. Like, oh, right. this is great, and then you drink it three months later, you go. I, I like this. Right. We probably did the first time, and now it's just different. Um, uh, the last of the dark kind of styles of beer is probably CDA, or the other term that has been uh, adopted, well, co-opted or adopted, one or the other. Onto it is uh, black IPA. Got it. Which doesn't really make any sense if you know what IPA stands for. India Pale Ale. Black Pale Ale. It doesn't... So, since it was in kind of invented in the Pacific Northwest, um, Cascadia Dark Ale is probably what we should be calling it. Okay. Um, uh, Oakshire, down in uh, Eugene, uh, makes what they call O-Dark 30. I, I think it's a quintessential CDA. Nice. Um, also, Deschutes makes a beer they call Hop in the Dark. Right. Again, very, very... Um, I've had Hop in the Dark. It's yeah. really good. I, I, I think they are what all CDAs should be measured by and this is what we should be shooting for. You should be shooting for something around this. Right. If you're going way off in your left field and right field, like I think you're making a different beer. Right, point. right. Yeah. One, one of the uh, establishments that's been around Portland for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and if you ask uh, people who probably visited Portland a couple of times, they'd probably be able to, to name this place. Will be any of the McMinimins locations okay. in town. McMinimins has been around, I want to say, even at least, what, at least 20, 30 years? At Maybe least, even longer than at that? At least 30, because I know that, like, it's, as I walked by one the other day, I noticed that uh, they're having their celebration for their Ruby Ale. 
It's 29th birthday. Okay. So at least 30 years. So as a service professional, what do you think about McMinniman's beers? Um, it, they can, and, and this gets back to the varying, not being consistent issue. Um, They're too it, big for a, sm- for a small? They, they have, I think, 11 different brew pubs right. and breweries. Right. And each have their own brewmaster. Ah, and so the person at McMiniman's Crystal Ballroom will be a different, will create a different batch. Then. And the one at Crystal Ballroom may distribute beers here and there, and you don't know which where it's coming from. And it's like, it's just it, it's too many cooks in the I kitchen. I did not know that. That's interesting. It's just too many cooks in the kitchen to have consistency. Sure, sure. In in a small operation like that, Budweiser can do it because they're automated, and no one person's going to have any effect. Correct. Robots are better. Clearly. <laughs> um, and when the, and when there are overlords. <laughs> we'll all drink the same beer. Exactly. But now I've had McMinniman's beers like, wow, this is really good. And then I've had beers that I just took a sip of and sat down. Um, that said, you know, like, it's, it, they really do a lot of good in the community. Um, they restore these cool old buildings and they, you know, they're really champions of, of music and, and all these other things that they do. But it's part of Portland culture. Part of part, part of Portland culture, and who doesn't like a beer that's priced at four dollars and sixty three cents? <laughs> you know, I, I, <laughs> I would. You know, I, I, I'm being kind of tongue in cheek here a little bit, but you know, I, I would love to look in their books. Like the, the beer prices, just these random numbers, right. and it's kind of funny. It always catches me off guard. Um, Should be four dollars. Like, can we just make cents. it four fifty or five? Like it would be just easier. Right. Um, yeah. They they did lead. Uh, the charge way back in the day yep. a little bit like yep. they kind of it was like oh my god you know these small these small little brew pubs are making beer that's not Budweiser right you know and it's and you've always got to measure yourself against your competition at the time right and at the time they had none so you know they got really popular and then you know somebody always comes along and, and they're still owed a thank you for what they did yeah and somebody will always come along pick up the baton and carry it further and faster than you and that's not a slight on you. That is, that is, you started this. Yeah, they set the stage. Yeah. Zombie apocalypse is happening. Okay. You happen to be like right now. Do I need another beer? No, no. Okay. Zombie apocalypse is happening. You happen to be in a grocery store when you notice this. Okay. And you can you can escape, but you and you and you have time to grab a six pack. Oh. So this is also like the Desert Island beer question. This is the Desert Island beer question. Okay. You have time to escape. You Can have this time. be a mixed six-pack? Fine. I'll give you that. <laughs> okay. I'll give you that. Fine. Okay. Because, I mean, yeah, because we have a lot to choose from. Give okay. me your six mixed six-pack. Uh, I'm grabbing three Breakside IPAs. <laughs> uh, I'm going to grab a, uh, uh, a Berliner Weiss from 10 Barrel. Uh, if it's available in a bottle, I, I sure hope it is because, dang, um, I'm probably going to grab, uh, the other two are going to be sours too, because that's, that's my other thing, the sour beers. Um, probably going to grab a, what is, can't remember the name, uh, Vlad the Impaler from Cascade. Okay. Because I assume I'm, you know, I'm just stealing these and they're really expensive sure. beers. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's zombie apocalypse. It's right? zombie okay. apocalypse. It's all, yeah. Um, what else do I grab? Um, you got one more bottle. Oh, I, I should tell you that it's a 22-ouncer. <laughs> okay. So, 
I just gave so you, I gave so you it more has beer. To be available on a twenty-two. No, it doesn't have to be. Oh, I guess it does. It does. Um, and and as much as a as a or even pretend that it's available on twenty-two. I might bring this full circle and grab a and grab an old German, just because <laughs> like. Nostalgia and posterity. Yeah, I mean, you know, I work in the industry, and like after a long shift, you don't want a big heavy beer. It's like, oh, just give me the thing that's really cold and tastes like wet. And you know what I mean? Like you just you just want cold and crisp and refreshing. And it's very seldom you come across a stout or an IPA that's that. You know, you want that's what you want a lager for. You want a ice cold. You know, the can's blue, so it's telling you it's time to drink it. That kind of beer. Um, Sad to say you were already uh, eaten by a zombie because it took too long to decide. Uh, but Dang it. Nick Keen, thanks for talking to me. Thank you. And that's our show, peeps. Thanks again to Nick Keen for his expertise. You can interact with him on Twitter at conoat, C-O-N-O-A-T. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, and I'm happy to announce that we are now available on the Stitcher app as well. Check out the website for show notes and previous episodes. This has been a presentation of the PDX Beat Podcast. I'm Amado Lumba. Thanks for tuning in.